Hello, and welcome to Talking Schmidt. I'm your host, Eric Schmidt. And I'm Greg Burmeister. And uh, Greg, are, are you excited? I'm very excited. I'm very excited, too. I'm so... I had this, I had this uh, circled on my calendar... The, for months, and uh, and here we are. This it's, is the day. The time has come. The time has come. We have the amazing Mindy Tucker here. Mindy, thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you, guys. How are you today? Uh, awesome. Your your accent, I've mm-hmm. noticed, because uh, I did research on you, so I listened to older episodes that yeah. you've been on five years ago. Um, <laughs> your accent was a little more pronounced. It seems like it's maybe waning. You're, where, where are you from, first of all? I'm from the great state of Alabama. Great state of Alabama. Uh, you know what, Mindy? I just realized I forgot to set the timer. Yeah. So let me do that. <laughs> let me do that real quick. I was so excited I forgot to do one of my, like, one of the things I have to do. Okay. So uh, where in Alabama? Uh, I was born in Mobile. Born in Mobile. And then when I was uh, 13, we moved to a small town called Tarrant City, Alabama. Tarrant City, Alabama. Okay. Uh-huh. Which is right outside of Birmingham. Do you do you feel like your accent is... Do you notice changes in it or... I have worked so hard on it. And to keep it or lose it? To lose it. Okay. I've worked so hard on it, but, you know, you really can't rewire your brain right so there are places that are greatly embarrassing to me like vowels okay um vowels in foreign languages so like if someone has a name um that has like an o or an a i'm going to mispronounce that okay (laughs) because my brain so i'll give you um the name in succession, Siobhan. Yeah. Oh, Siobhan, yeah. Okay. My brain, that name is Siobhan. <laughs> it, it, yeah, it's, it's an ha- unusual name. It's spelled I have yeah. to, I literally have to take a couple of seconds and try to not visually see Siobhan. Really? I, so, yes. So, um, so where you can really tell is vowels, but also like sentence structure. Right. Um, like I will, without an accent, say, I reckon, or I'm fixing to. Yeah, um, yes. And so... <laughs> Uh, but also if I'm really, really tired or if I'm, I'm, if I'm in my studio and I'm working with someone and I'm really, you know, like excited about how the photos are coming out, then the accent by the end of the shoot will just be just full on. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You just kind of forgot to you know, and then when I go home and I'm with my mom and dad, mm-hmm. you know, my, for my wedding this last summer, my father-in-law came down and he walked into the house and and I was talking and he was like I've never heard this. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is a psychological thing, right? Like you yeah. you kind of form your accent and this is true of everybody, not just you, but like you form your accent to who you're around. It's a survival, you know, it's like a caveman brain thing. Yeah. Like you you want to sound like the people who are so they'll accept you. Yeah. <laughs> um like so I'm from Florida. Uh, originally, so I, I have like a Florida Southern accent, which is totally different. Like Georgia Southern accents are different from Alabama accent. Like they're all different. Yeah, um, ours it, is the ugliest. No, I don't think so. I think it's beautiful accent. Actually, oh, it's, when it's, I was doing the research, I was like, oh man, this is beautiful to listen to. Uh, so like, I, I, I appreciate it. No, don't ever lose it. But so I went to, and then I went to school in Alabama. So then that got like, you know, it started like mixing with that. And then now, or well, not really now, but when I first moved here. Uh, you know, I would try to mute it too, you know, because I was around people who weren't weren't from that part of the country. And, uh, but then I would drink around them. Oh, and yeah. then it just like, <laughs> they're like, what the hell are you saying? Yeah. Man? Un- <laughs> absolutely unintelligible by the end of the night. Absolutely. I, I was the exact same because I'm from Minnesota. And so, like, oh, I'll drag You can my still kind of hear it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Minnesota. Yeah. <laughs> like, sure. You, you betcha. Yeah. That's the dead giveaway is the vowels. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. and just a year ago, I took um, the NY Times, I think it was from 2013. They had a series of questions for you to answer, and they would pinpoint where you were from. I need you to know that I took this quiz, and there are three geographic areas in Alabama that I have lived. And when I got the answer, those three areas 
were circled. Wow. <laughs> Crazy. So Man, it wasn't, accurate. It, it wasn't just Alabama. It was like very specific. Mobile, Alabama, yeah. Birmingham, and Montgomery. Wow. <laughs> and I was like, you bastards. Yeah, you fake news you bastards. bastards. Yeah. bastards. You kind of got creepy. me. <laughs> you got me. I like a lot. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I've been in New York for 20 years, and there wasn't like a little scintilla of Brooklyn. <laughs> Yeah, see, when I go to Florida now, sometimes they're like, man, you talk like a Yankee. And I'm like, what? I don't think yeah, so. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. But I just, you know, when you have an accent that my, my real accent is so intensely Alabama, you can't be angry if then the first time you meet someone, that is the whole entire conversation. Right. Right. You just can't. And I'm a really busy person. And I just can't every day have a conversation about, yes, I am from Alabama. Yeah, it gets, it gets old pretty quick. Uh, yes, my dad's a preacher. Yeah. Uh, I remember one time you were you were taking pictures at a Good For You, uh, and you, you, me, and Jay Jordan were in the hallway oh, talking, and it oh, was just yeah. like the greatest Southern accents right there, man. Oh, <laughs> it was so much fun. Well, you know, I love Jay yeah. because Jay actually knows the town where I went to college. Oh, yeah? We're... Yeah, so like the first night I met him, I was like, just a sneaking suspicion. Have you ever heard of a place called Montevallo? And he was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I went there and I saw it. No, no, no. What college is there? <laughs> I was going to ask you, you Roll Tide or War Eagle? Uh, War Eagle, thank Okay, you. all right. Uh, but you didn't go to Auburn, you went to... Uh, I went to a, a publicly funded liberal arts school called the University of Montevallo. Okay. And um, it was just an incredibly special place. And you know who else has heard of it? Sophie Santos. Okay. So uh, the the very first shoot I did with Sophie, when I found out she had friends in Montevallo, I was like, "All right, that's it. You're you're my new best comedy friend. There you go. I'm going to take care of you know. entire course of your career. You're a Montevallo person. I gotcha. <laughs> where and where where is it? It's in. It's about. Where is that in Alabama? Depends on how you drive. <laughs> if you're me, rushing to get back from your job at the Limited, it's 30 minutes from Birmingham. Oh, okay. If you're a law-abiding citizen, 45. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Uh, real quick, i got to ask this early on so I don't forget. How does it feel to be the most beloved person in comedy? <laughs> oh, you're like the Dolly Parton of comedy. <laughs> no one, Everyone likes you. What, how does that feel? You know that. Don't act... I'm not like you don't know that. How does it feel? It, I mean, it, it's genuinely incredibly rewarding. And there's really, uh, I mean, you know, I have no complaints. Um, Good. Uh, I feel incredibly lucky to have had a very small part in a lot of different careers. Mm -hmm. And I think... Um, if you get to a place in life where you're waking up in the morning and walking to your studio and then you're going to help somebody for four hours. Yeah. Holy crap. I mean, people probably, incredible. yeah, people probably owe you a lot of money too. Cause I imagine they're using your headshots to also get like the acting gigs that a lot of comedians end up doing. You yeah. know? <laughs> and mean, they're, and they're, they're not even like really, they didn't schedule. They're just using the ones you took. Like I do, <laughs> like I'm yeah. doing that. Like, you know, it's just the one you took at me at like a bar, yes. you know, then I'm using those as like headshots cause they look amazing. Better than most headshots. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank you. I mean, that's, that is the reason why I do them. Right. I mean, it is an activist activity. Um, I mean, do not get me wrong. I don't think that the work that we must do ends at representation. Mm -hmm. um, that's been commodified to an extent that I don't think, I mean, I don't think that's the end of the story. Mm -hmm. But representation happens to be what I am good at. That's what I went to school for. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, and PR and marketing um, and understanding media, uh, I went to school for that. Okay. And my day job was in that. So it's the really small part that I can do. And so I consider the shows to be the most important work that I do. Um, but it is the most draining uh, yeah. work that I do. And well, on behalf of every producer and every performer <laughs> of all those shows, sincerest thank you for but, all of that. But I am there 
to give you a a headshot. Okay, good. <laughs> that's, and thank that's, you. <laughs> it's literally why I'm there. Yeah. Is I do not want someone in my studio who is going to have to worry about paying rent mm-hmm. because they came in. Yeah. I don't want you there. Right. Please let me photograph you at a show. Yeah, it's easier. Yeah. Please let me. You know, um, it's literally why I'm out there. It's literally why I've been doing what I'm doing. Amazing. Um, you know, but this particular stretch of the pandemic has been um, incredibly difficult and painful mm-hmm. um, because uh, my dad has cancer mm-hmm. and he has a type of cancer that when I went with him to the cancer doctor over Christmas, this incredibly intelligent, loving cancer doctor, who by the way, just looks like he's going to um, an upscale tailgate party. Okay, yeah, that's kind of how everyone looks in the South. Yeah, yeah. right? I think I can, I can picture that. You can see him. Yeah. Um, he, has, he has the joy in his face of Santa Claus, but he's also serious, you know? Um, I, just a wonderful guy, but he explained that the type of cancer that dad has is just going to keep trying to come back. Mm. And so he's already had two surgeries. What, ty- what type is it? It's stage three colon cancer. Okay. Um, and he's already had two surgeries. And so because it is a kind that's going to just keep coming back, um, we have work to reorganize my schedule so that, for instance, we have me in a really intense uh, block of shoots in April. Okay. And then over Christmas, we stashed uh, a second computer at my parents' house. It's a, you know, the big, huge 27-inch one that I retouch with. Gateway, they still have gateways. (laughs) (laughs) So we stashed we stashed a workstation down there, right. and so I can. I'm very blessed that I can, you know, arrange a block of shoots, shoot a whole ton of stuff, and then go to Alabama and just be there with them. Um, now he is a workaholic. He's still working. He's a hospice chaplain. He because he was a preacher, right? Yes, and he refuses to retire. And we thought, like, maybe he's going to slow down a little because he retired from full-time preaching in addition to so being this, this a So this whole being generous, chaplain. so generous and giving with your time, it runs in your family. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so he, we, thought, we thought when he um, retired from this one church he was at, we thought, oh, well, he's going to take Sundays off. No, he's been going around doing what they call supply preaching, which is visiting different churches and preaching at them. <laughs> wow. So he's, he's just still, doing more wow. work. <laughs> so he's, yes. Um, so, you know, but it's just important to be able to spend the time, you right. know, and hopefully that time is another 10, 15 years, you know. Yeah. But because my time has become you know just like we have to get these shoots in and like we had somebody who canceled um uh for next saturday because of a health reason Mm -hmm. we can't get them in again until the middle of june so like because the time is so stretched Mm -hmm. And because we came so close to losing the studio in quarantine, right? you know, even if I'm not seeing my dad, like, the next week or whatever, mm-hmm. I just can't get COVID. Right, right. <laughs> right? Because the chain of events mm-hmm. is, like, what we would have to cancel. Right. And then if it does fall close to a trip to Alabama. And so... You know, I don't want to have to tell somebody that at a show, right? It's like right. a bu- it's like a bummer, right? <laughs> but I have had comics who, to be clear, are the reason why I'm poor, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> True. I've had them ask me, like, "Why are you still wearing a mask?" Like, 
and sort of try to Dude, talk. also, like, just don't fucking ask someone. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Like, it does not matter. I mean, there were people that wore masks even before COVID. Right. You know? yeah. Like, clearly, just... clearly there's a reason. Like, <laughs> yeah. you don't need to ask. And it's like, and the reason is my dad is sick and I'm poor and I can't miss work. Right, like, right. Like, fucking shit, man. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, What's wrong? And so that, it's just been this really. I hope you have a list. I hope you have a fucking list. And well, I hope it'll show me. Well, I. I I mean, I get it because there's this thing going around that like at some point we have to relax and at some point we have to, you know, go back to life. And and I get that. I just can't do that. Yet. I'm just not yeah. in a position where I can do it yet. You right. Know? Sure. I mean, like, how can people not understand that sometimes people have different things going on in their yeah. lives? You know, for God's sake. I mean, you might be immunocompromised. You know, that well, could be what's going on. Yeah. You know, like that's the other thing. I do have some health issues where well, my see, God, well, Jesus Christ. Well, don't ask, guys. My, yeah. My doctor fast tracked me for the vaccine because he was very concerned, um, and so, you know. I'm less concerned that I'll get it. And I mean, almost everyone we know who's gotten it has had a bad week and that's it. Right? Yeah. 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 Yep. But it's more. And I think that probably would be my outcome. So it's not, you know, a hypochondriac thing or no. a, or a, I'm a liberal uh, right, 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 thing. Right, right, it's right. just the very. Yeah, it's not, you're not trying to make a statement. <laughs> yeah. Anything. It's just a logistical thing of like, if we miss a week of shoots, um, Really screws up everything. It, it yeah. just the the chain of events right. is just uh, a nightmare. So we we, uh, we talked a little about your dad. What does your mom do? She uh, worked for the state board of missions in Alabama, okay. and she also both of them have worked in disaster relief. Oh wow! For my whole life, man, what a family. Yeah. And she killed a snake on the way to church once, right? Yes. Okay. Can we, can we, can, what, so can we talk about that? So my mom grew up on a farm and, um, So it's her parents that own the farm, right? Own is a strong word. Okay. Uh, in the one in Mississippi though? Um, my mom grew up in the top part of Florida. Oh. And they did have a farm, um, but they, you know, were always struggling okay. very much. Right. Like she had dresses made out of, um. I think flower sacks, okay, that kind of thing. Um, but they struggled so much that she. Now I always thought it was before she went to school, <clears throat> but she told me recently it was after she got out of school. She picked cotton mm-hmm. every day until she was fourteen. Wow! And you can still see on her hands like little itty bitty lines. Really? Yeah. From wow. The scratches. Yeah. Your, uh, so I guess maybe it was your, because I heard a story that you told one time that your, maybe your dad's uh, parents owned a farm or had a farm in Mississippi. And your, they your, had. your dad's mom was a chicken hypnotizer. Uh-huh. Okay, yeah. all right, that oh. was the one. Okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Betty Lou was Betty Lou, no the, chick, the chicken hypnotizer. <laughs> That's amazing. Betty Lou could cook. <laughs> But Betty Lou could also go and take the chicken from the chicken yard and, yeah, (laughs) and bring it straight to the table. Betty Lou was no joke. And you you caught some crawfish in a in a in a what in a ditch? In a ditch, yeah. That That, was like I guess had some water running through. That was in Mobile, okay, where the crawfish live. Yeah. And your folks weren't too happy about that. No. Okay. Why? It seems like that'd be an appropriate thing to do. In that part of the country, catching crawfish? Yeah, I think they were always, um, you know, trying to give me a more normal suburban life that, Mm -hmm. you know. And so they were just kind of like, we don't know what was in that water. Uh, (laughs) Fair enough. (laughs) Did uh, did you grow up like guns or no guns? No guns. No guns. Okay, so your dad was consistent with like the 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 good the teachings of the Lord. Then yeah, he didn't like that stuff. Yeah, my my cousin loves them, but he right. Your your cousin had some notoriety, right? Mm -hmm. Killed the biggest deer in Mississippi, I believe. Wow. Yeah, he's a gem. I love him. I love him beyond measure. And let me tell you, there was um, 
Like, this all sounds like a country song, by the way. Yeah, there was <laughs> except for the lack of guns. You yeah. need you need some guns. Do you guys remember there was like a there was a question of whether South by Southwest in 2020 would get canceled? Right. right? Yeah. yeah. And so I was running. I was like gaming out the whole thing, you know. And I, and I was like, what if I get down there, right? What if they don't cancel it and I get down there and I can't get back home? And I say, you know what, though? Richie. (laughs) (laughs) Guessing that's the cousin's name who killed the biggest deer in Mississippi. (laughs) Richie. Now, he might do it in a hazmat suit. But Richie would drive. He would come and get me. Now, he might make me drive all the way back to Mississippi in the flatbed of the truck. (laughs) (laughs) But he'd come to Texas. But Richie... With there's no doubt in my mind that if I called him today and was like, "Hey, I need you to come to New York and and pick me up," he would be like, "All right, all right, <laughs> just gonna drive all the way through. We ain't gonna stop." Yeah. <laughs> so speaking of uh, of uh, Southern uh, folks, uh, which is a nice term to put it, we met through I think the guys from Murder Fist, right? Oh, God, my favorite I love rednecks them. in all of the world, oh, I Murder love Fist them. fellas, They're the best. <laughs> How did you first start? Uh, how did you first uh, meet those guys? How did you just, I um, guess, doing the shows? Or I guess it was just in the water, so to speak. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I feel like it must have been the creek, probably. Okay, it has to have been right. But well, yeah. you used to do the years in review, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Do you still do those somewhere else now that the creek is unfortunately closed? Or you know, I would love, I would love to bring that back yeah i would love to is there a venue that like you feel close enough that you could do that kind of thing with or should i start petitioning people (laughs) i mean everything feels really in flux you know yeah and i would love for us to find a way to have three or four venues that we just wholeheartedly throw our support to and and try it i'd like for us to build something sustainable yeah it does feel it kind of got dashed by covid right like you, yeah. you, a lot of places closed so they're, they're creek being one of them so yeah it, it's just about like kind of let the dust settle i guess and find mm. find a new few few spots where you can do that kind of thing um you you didn't you weren't always uh involved in photography though you you started out painting right mm-hmm. when yeah. did you start painting i was uh always painting when I was a kid and I I think um, I used to be angry about it but now I'm old and I get it <laughs> um, I mean I showed signs quite early on of like something's up with this kid like I literally when I was my mom has told this story that when I was around six years old I walked into the kitchen and just put my little hand on my hip and said if you need me I will be in my studio (laughs) and like where'd I learn the word studio where did I learn that I got your hand is on your hip right (laughs) now like it was already there it was like you were ready for this one (laughs) you need me I will be in my studio and then I went back to my room and would draw and she's busy just decapitating snakes right while you're walking around I'm gonna be in the studio no thanks to all this I'll be either catching crawfish killing snakes (laughs) do you still paint at all yeah I mean the last couple of years have been really interesting because I started doing it for utility, which, um, you know, I really hate shooting on photo paper. I can't stand it. It's so boring to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't like the texture of it. I don't like how it shows up in pictures. And so pretty much the second I got my very own studio, um, I mean, within an incredibly short period of time, I had Pat, my dear husband, uh, take me to the Home Depot. We rented one of those trucks from the Home Depot and we brought in plywood that I could paint on. And the original idea was we were gonna have somebody build them out as like flats. Mm -hmm. But I was so eager to get started the, the first way I did it was just painting, like laying tarps down on the floor and painting those pieces of plywood. And then I would gaffer tape them to the wall. Okay. 
um, d- that's how much I hate shooting on seamless paper. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. Um, what did you learn from uh, your time painting uh, that applies to photography? I mean, I don't, I don't know that it was a lot, but something about building a world, maybe. Okay. Uh, because you know the. I've gone from just this utility painting of like, okay, I want some texture and there's a specific color I want Mm -hmm. um, to the backdrops for South by this year. My friend Carrie, when she saw them, said, it looks like Mark Rothko did psychedelics. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, great. I was going for that plus Helen Frankenthaler. So good. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, and now they're kind of turning into... uh, now they're kind of, I don't know, I feel like they are wanting to be paintings. Um, well, you were, I, I, I heard or read, I can't remember, but that you, you went to Italy oh, on a yeah. trip and you were inspired by uh, the artist uh, Caravaggio. Oh my God. Yeah. It's, which is the thing that I've talked about uh, and probably what I talked about in that interview is that I had absolutely no interest in seeing those paintings because when you look at them in a book, they just look kind of brown and muddy. Mm-hmm. And then when you go see them in person, the scale of them, they're freaking huge. Mm-hmm. They're so huge. And the reds in them shimmer. They're so freaking bright. And... um and so I was obsessed with how they were lit, but I was also obsessed with how the light, how they were making something so luminous out of freaking paint. And so, yeah, the early photos, I very drunkenly would say to Baron, <laughs> it was Baron Vaughn who used to say this stuff too, but like, I want to make it look like a Caravaggio, except it's a picture. <laughs> And bless his heart. He knew what that meant. (laughs) Just bless him because he was the one who bore the brunt, really, of me trying to figure it out the most. Matt McCarthy, Barron, um, because that was me uh, trying to figure out how you how you get the light to come from where you want it to come from. Yep. Yeah. So your your pictures have a signature look to them um how did, how do you, how would you describe that signature look that your um, pictures have i just always wanted to glow is usually the thing that i'm going for and um yeah. how do you how do you get it like what is, is it just the the way you use light or i think a lot of it is the lighting and then i'm always uh i, I I feel like it sounds creepy, but I'm always trying to figure out what skin should look like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, that does sound a little it's creepy. Sounds, uh, creepy. sounds creepy, but I get it. Yeah, yeah. I, I get what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, how how long did it take you to develop that signature look that your photos have? Was it pretty quick, or you know, I think you already mentioned it. Like early on, it wasn't. It didn't. It you know, the first couple of shows weren't. Weren't your best work, I oh, would imagine you, I would, would, you say, would admit. <laughs> I would say, oh my gosh, I would say I was frustrated for like a couple of years. Yeah. Because like stuff would technically turn out like it would be in focus or whatever. But um, for a long time, I just couldn't afford the pieces of gear that I needed to do what I wanted it to do. What kind of camera were you starting out with? Um. And actually, let's so the shows you started were your friend uh, Carol, Carol. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Uh, so you went and started at her shows, right? Yeah. Because you guys were friends in Alabama. You both moved here. Yeah. And, uh, her dad was the mayor, and my dad was the preacher. What? <laughs> I didn't know that part. Okay, that's cool. You guys ran town, man. That's yeah. great. Uh, so you started doing it at her, her shows, and Matt McCarthy was one of the early comics on. Mm-hmm. Who, who else was on these shows back back when you started? Out? I mean, I think I met Pete through her, and of course Baron, and um, I think Adam Newman was. On oh the yeah, show. I love Adam Newman. Great fellow. Yeah. Eric Andre. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I met him 
because of her. And these were, so these were, these were on, these guys were on the show when you were first starting out. Yeah. Cool. Who are some of your favorites to photograph throughout? And you don't have to say Greg or I, Um, (laughs) you know, but who who are some of your favorites? Besides (laughs) besides us, who are some of your favorites that you've, uh, that you've taken pictures of? Well, I just saw Eddie Pepitone. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, and I just adore him. Yep. Um, and uh, I mean, gosh, there's a kind of a lot. Robert Dean pops up in a lot of your uh, photos. <laughs> Is he just stalking you? You can tell no. us. Do we? Do you need us to talk yeah. to him? Is he just following you around? <laughs> Robert. Robert is my friend. I complain to. Okay. All right. And Robert is also my friend. Who I'm like, hey, I want to test this camera. I want to test this light. Or you and he's know, like, yeah. And he's, <laughs> yeah. I'll be. I'm already outside. Actually, I'll just yeah. come on in. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, you you talked about it when you, when you were talking about the hand on your hip thing. Uh, so you clearly had a very early passion for art and creating art. Um, what was the scene like in in that part of Alabama where you were from? Okay, all right. Okay. Well, you know what? Short answer. No scene Short available. Answer. Uh, I'm guessing not much of one. <laughs> I mean, they. I, this is the thing, you know. Art is classist, mm-hmm. right? Right. So, <clears throat> you know, a child displaying the behavior that I displayed mm-hmm. if, in Park Slope would be freaking fast tracked. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. 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 <laughs> to I don't know. I get wherever they do fancy art classes here right some kind of specialized yeah. school <laughs> yeah but in Mo- programs at the museum these kinds yeah, of things yeah yeah but i think they literally did not know what to do with me and uh, i remember at the time something called toll painting was popular and my mom put me in a class where i learned how to paint strawberries on wood Okay. And humble origins. And paint um, rocks into frogs. Okay. Oh, interesting. I mean, they just didn't. Yeah. Yeah. This is. I think everyone. I think everyone. I think I did that too. And I I was not a. Did not go on to be very good at painting. Yeah. Uh, Where'd you go? You went to grad school for photography or for painting? So that's a fun. Yeah, that's. uh, okay, I, I, <laughs> we cannot talk. I can move right on. <laughs> I have to, for the rest of my life, I have to be grateful to the University of Connecticut. Okay, I I must be grateful to them because they gave me a scholarship. Okay, and so I had a full ride to get a master's degree, and that got me from Alabama to to here to right and well to connecticut first maybe an important stepping stone it was was very important because it's so hard and i feel so aged and boring but it's incredibly difficult to imagine but this is before the internet Mm -hmm. worked in the way that it does now what year was this so i went to yukon in 98 okay and I graduated in 2000. So yes, we did have the internet and Craigslist was there and you could apply for jobs, you know, like just the changes from the, when I entered grad school. So to, to put it this way, my mom and I had to do a trip from Alabama to Connecticut to find a place for me to live because it, you couldn't do it online. So we took a whole trip before I even started grad school to find an apartment. That's this. That's where the internet was the year I entered grad school. And then by the time I left, you could theoretically search for apartments online. You could search for jobs. There was like monster.com or whatever. But you did actually need to be close to the city. Yeah. So I would come in for like interviews with temp agencies and stuff like that. To How far ch- is it from the city? Connecticut? No. Or where I was. <laughs> where I was. I'm unfamiliar with geography. Uh, <laughs> How far is the University of Connecticut from the city? Um, <laughs> UConn. In driving, uh, you know, yeah. drive time. I mean, I always had... 
I can't drive in the city. Really? I yeah, I can't do it because I because of this era, I would drive into the city and there wasn't uh, again, there wasn't GPS. There weren't maps on your phone, so you would have to print out mm-hmm. the map. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember when, when, yeah. my, when my old band would tour around the country, like we'd, we'd print out, you know, map quests. Yeah, like 14 pages of, you know, yeah, maps on paper. And if you miss an exit, you're just like, ah, oh, that like, throws the whole thing yeah. off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I would do these. I would do these trips to New York where I would like drive myself in. And then I would get in like a huge traffic jam or I would mm-hmm. get lost or I wouldn't be able to park and or the printed paper doesn't <laughs> suggest new routes. Yeah, either. exactly. Yeah. And I just was so, um, so uh, traumatized by trying to do all of that, that um, by the time I did move here and I did have a car for a short time, like it got broken into and mm. I was always like too scared to drive and I just was like, you know what? It is my civic duty to take myself off the streets. <laughs> it it sounds like your plan was to go, you know, to end up in New York. It wasn't originally. How originally? Like, when, just, when did it, I guess, when did it become uh, your plan? <laughs> I just knew, I knew around the time that I did the study abroad in Italy, I was like, okay, you have a problem. And the problem is <laughs> you, my friend are, are actually probably an artist. And, and I, I kind of dawned on me then because like there were all these other people on the trip who were there to shop Mm. like they were kind of nominally taking the coursework but mainly they were there to like go into different cities and literally shop for the year more like a vacation yeah yeah a vacation with a couple of school credits yeah and for me i i mean i was there because there was a printmaking facility. There was uh, a where in Italy was this? It was in a small town called Cortona. Okay. And I literally would wake up early in the morning, go work in the studio, um, and then go into the main part of town, have a pizza, go take a nap, and then classic Italian living. Pretty right? much, yeah. <laughs> and then go back in, into the studio and work until like one in the morning. Oh wow! Okay. And. You know, there were only like two or three of us on the trip who were there because there were facilities and mm-hmm. studios and bookbinding materials. And <laughs> <laughs> so that, but that was when you were like, I got to get to a, a, a probably a major city at least, right? Well, that was when it kind of sunk in that I that it was probably something I needed to explore pretty seriously, which was uh, frankly a bummer. Mm. Um, I think my parents had hoped I would go on that trip and have a nice time and have the whole art thing out of my system. Mm. And unfortunately it was like, it was more of like a confirmation of like, Oh man, <laughs> got some bad news guys. Yeah. You shouldn't have let me go. Yeah. <laughs> and so I kind of, I really didn't know, uh, I was really lost. I really didn't know what to do. But what I knew for sure was that I could not stay in Alabama. Mm -hmm. And so the idea was if I went to grad school and I had a master's degree, maybe I could be a professor. Mm -hmm. And so I think for the first year, that's kind of what I thought I would do. But then I wasn't enamored of the work that the professors made. Sure. And I was like, I was like, I, and I also, to me, there was an ethical issue because the way that the academy was churning out MFAs, no one could answer the question to me how do you make art in the real world? No one had any advice. What they would do is hand you a list of grants. And I felt like if you can't, if you can't guide someone 
in like, what is the real life way that you would continue to make art post-graduation for 10, 15, 20 years? If you don't have any insight into that and your only answer is apply for jobs and hope that you can get treated like crap as an adjunct professor for long enough that you can eventually become a professor for real and have kind of a salary. Like to me, I just didn't want to perpetuate that until I could look a student in the eye and be like, here's how I did it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so now I'm at a point in my career where I would feel ethically 100% at peace with being a professor because I do have answers. My students might not like them. Right. Right. Because it's an incredibly difficult and long road, but I at least have done it. Mm -hmm. And I didn't think that at, I think I was 26 when I graduated. I just didn't think I should go from being a student to a professor. Right. The only thing I can teach you is how to, you know, apply for stuff. Yeah. Not have all the real world experience. Yeah. Or carry through a vision when no one cares, Mm -hmm. you know, or carry carry through a vision that, you know, is good that nobody understands yet, you know, and I mean, the practicalities of how you do that. Um, And it's an incredibly difficult thing to live through. And, you know, so now, uh, you know, universities hire me. <laughs> now, there you go. <laughs> now I can, now I'm like. It worked out. <laughs> yeah, now I would do it. But I it, it was around like the beginning of my second year that I became uncomfortable with the idea of I have a terminal degree. So now the next thing I'm going to do in life is become a professor. So, but, okay. So you were there for, like, I guess maybe around year two is when you were like. I got to figure out a different path here. And is that when you were like, oh, maybe I'll move to New York or when, when did that? Well, we did all of these. I didn't know what I was going to do and I was incredibly lost. Mm-hmm. And I knew that if I went back to Alabama, I would die. Okay. I knew that I would. I, I, um, I just knew. And so I didn't know what to do or where to go. And we kept doing these visits to New York City, and I wasn't particularly drawn to it. We visited artists in Soho and Chelsea and all of this stuff, and I just would always come back and be like, "Uh uh-huh, yeah, got it. And we would see museums, and I would be like, "Mm mm-hmm, yep, learn something cool. But none of it was, like, to me, actionable information. And then we did a visit to Williamsburg, And the first guy we went to visit had this huge studio and he had so much freaking work and he had a motion activated bubble machine. And (laughs) it was so joyful and unexpected. And I just was like, okay, this guy gets it. (laughs) (laughs) Like... And then on that same day, we went to um, Crest Hardware, which was having an art show in the hardware store of neighborhood artists. And that felt to me so much like Alabama, like here's our here's our people from the neighborhood and here's the kooky things that they made with yeah. our lawn care stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, old old Williamsburg had that feel. Yeah. All my friends from the South that come up, uh, and this is before it got too corporate, you know, I would say like pre-2015, uh, you know, like when people would come up, before they got the Dunkin' Donuts, I think. Uh, <laughs> but they would be like, this feels like a small town. We really like coming out mm-hmm. here, you know. So, yeah, I totally understand. Yeah, but there were there were actual, like, artists around. Right. And they're... Yeah, well, that was, that was, they were gone, by, well gone by 2015. <laughs> yeah, but there used to be, there used to be a bunch of art galleries right. in Williamsburg. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm talking like... 30 freaking art galleries and this was so the year the years you were coming out there for the first time is probably what 2000 2001 99 and 2000 and 2000 okay yeah and so i was like that's where i need to be Mm -hmm. and that was when i decided to move i was like that like 
that's where I'm going. And how stoked were your folks about that? (laughs) (laughs) Really stoked? No, not stoked. It seems like maybe not. not It seems like they were not stoked about this. How'd that conversation go? What? uh, Not well. Okay. All right. Fair enough. (laughs) None of that went well for a really long time. Yeah. Had they ever been here before? No. Okay. They've been since. Yes. And how do they feel? Well, you know, you fast forward 22 years and they're fine with it. Okay, good. (laughs) (laughs) It all worked out. Uh, (laughs) When did they first come and visit? Like, do you remember their first trip? Uh, Were you living here when they came or did you come like with them as like a visiting the city thing the first time? My dad would not come. Really? (laughs) Just refused to come? And my mom... uh, came and was very upset about where I was living. Um, you were in Williamsburg? Yeah. In 2002? 2000. I moved okay. here in the summer of 2000. Yeah. And it, she was pretty depressed. By yeah, it wasn't a great neighborhood then. Well, the place that I moved into was upstairs in a house with an Italian couple in like only a little bit younger than my mom and dad. Okay. And so they felt fine about my safety, but the walls were old 70s wood panel and red shag carpet literally from the 70s and my mom was just like she didn't find it cool or kitschy. <laughs> she was like, hey, it's neat. We used to have this. <laughs> and she was, Alabama is live and well here yeah. in Williamsburg. <laughs> and she was right to be concerned because <laughs> yes. I did not do well in that apartment. Yeah. yeah. It was, but, uh, you know, their, their fears came from, uh, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't out of being angry or anything. It was, uh, it was because they wanted to be. I mean, it sounds like they want to be supportive of you, but they they love you and they were just kind of worried, I guess, right? Yes. Was mostly what it was. And now, as an aged person, um, (laughs) I've had some really beautiful conversations with my dad about that time. and, And, you know, a thing that he and I have talked about is my extreme naivete. Just extreme. And... I genuinely thought that if I worked hard enough, I could make a life for myself here. And my parents, you know, understand the world. (laughs) And they understand that's a rich people game, honey. Okay. Yeah, they're right. And (laughs) but fair. But also, arguably, you did work hard and and you know, make your own way. Yes, and the beautiful moment that I've been able to have with my dad is to be able to tell him that now on the other side of things, if I had a kid, I would probably have an equal reaction Mm -hmm. to what he had. Mm -hmm. Just knowing how difficult that is and how that's really not for you. That's really for someone who comes from money, who mm-hmm. can take the time that it takes to become good at something. And, yeah. and it wasn't catching crawfish in a, in a dish. <laughs> <laughs> who had their in crawfish a, brought to a them. swampy dish. <laughs> by the dirty kid catching it in the, in the ditch. Um, what, did, what did you, what was your original intention to do when you moved to New York? Like what was your, what were you, what were you trying to do? Well, the thing that, they had taught me in grad school, and the only thing that I knew to try to do was to become a gallery artist, mm-hmm. you know? And so I had some kind of... For photography, of, though. Yeah, yeah. So I had, like, some kind of hope that I would, like, do an art project and show it to a gallery and then get in a group show, and then I would do another project, and I would have a solo show. And I... It was just... That was the route that had been taught in school, you know, and I really banged my head against that wall for several years to not much success. Yeah. So then what year, how long were you here before you started doing the uh, comedy photography? 2005. Okay. Um, is comedy photography harder, different from the other type of photography you were doing before? Or what, what kind of photography were you doing before, I guess? I was doing like, um, 
was doing these art projects. So like one of like my grad school thesis, which, by the way, I do think someone should show. I think it's funny. I think it's a really perfect project. I really do. Um, and I hate a lot of my old work, but I did a project um, where because I'm adopted, did not I, know that. Okay. Yeah, I would go up Having to some people. Some <laughs> ah, yes. <laughs> big big headlines here. Yeah. Yeah. I would go up to strangers and I would be like, "Hey, I'm adopted, and I'm doing this project about how theoretically you guys could be my family. Who knows?" And I would take photos with all these different families that would look like family photos. So it would be like me and my family at Christmas or me and my family at a barbecue or me and my family at the mall, me and my family at the water park. That is really cool. And it was just all these different families. And the show, uh, like my senior show or senior, my MFA show was just frames from like Hobby Lobby with me and all these different families, um, you know, with like those cheesy, like family inscriptions or whatever. And it would just be uh, me and my family on a porch, me and my family in a car. uh, And it was just all these different families. Is that available anywhere? Like, can people find that somewhere? No. Come to my house. (laughs) All right. So, yeah, uh, is, is. So I was doing work like that. Right. And, you know, and the thing is, I think that's a really valuable project. I mean, I think it's funny and it's heartfelt and it speaks to, um, you know, just the weirdness of, of, you know, and it that specific project came about because I was in a mall and there was someone who looked so much like me. It oh, really? Was, it was jarring. And it wasn't the first time that something like that had happened. But I, I think I was like speaking with close friends, like maybe somebody had been there with me. I don't remember. But it was like, you know, one of those diner conversations. And, and my grad school friends were like, no, man, that's really weird. Like, <laughs> she could be, though, you know. And so that project came about from, you know, like an actual thing that happened. And I really love it. I stand by it. But at the same time, who's buying that project? Right. And why? <laughs> have you have you tried <laughs> to have you have you tried to track down your uh, you know your biological? Uh... I mean, at this point, it almost feels sacrilegious. I mean, I'm sure. an only child. I've been spoiled, just completely rotten. Right. Um, and the only mistakes my parents have ever made have been because, uh, hi, we're afraid for you to move to New York. You're poor. You can't do this. Okay. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, so some produce, speaking of being poor, uh, some producers made you cry, uh, with a gift once. Can you tell us about that? <laughs> oh my God. Yes. Um, and I still, it's so funny you bring that up because I just, saw Jim Gaffigan at South by and my cousin, she's my cousin-in-law, but who has time to explain that in the moment? (laughs) My cousin was with me at South by. And so Jim was like, yeah, he was like just catching her up on like my life in comedy, which was so sweet of him. And he was like, and you know, uh, several years ago, the comedy community just bought her a lens. We just bought her one because she needed it. Wow, so Jim was part of that? I guess so. <laughs> that's, that's amazing. That's great. Um, so uh, real quick here before we finish up, do you have any advice uh, for someone being photo- uh, having their photo taken? Because you often get, you give the best direction. So what's like just some general, uh, here's how you do it kind of stuff. I mean, you know, a, a thing that I always say is that everything that's happening around the photo is in the photo, right? Mm-hmm. And so I personally feel like it's less your responsibility. It's more the photographer's responsibility to create a situation that is comfortable for a picture. Mm -hmm. Um, That's my general worldview on that. 
I would say if you're at a show and time is really tight and it is an uncomfortable situation, but you need a photo or you want to make sure you're represented in the fact that like you were on the lineup, mm-hmm. um, lean forward a little lean bit. Lean forward. That's yep. yep. You always say that to me. Um, You just want your face to be the closest thing to the camera. Gotcha. And so it's just a little bit of a lean, but really that advice is just trying to correct for, um, usually people are uncomfortable being photographed and they don't realize it, but they're actually leaning backwards. Mm -hmm. So it's not so much, I need you at like a 45 degree angle. (laughs) It's more that, Almost always people are slightly leaning back. So just kind of correct that. So you're just trying to correct it. Yeah. So you you have a master's in photography. You worked in photography for how many years? Oh, God. Well, we we don't have to name the number. Uh, A a while. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Uh, So you're clearly an expert on that. Uh, But by now, you must also be an expert on comedy. Uh, Any, uh, you know, any comedy related advice? To the, for the for the community that you that you have seen for so long. That's a great question. I think the biggest overarching thing that I've seen for pretty much my whole career, and I get it. I especially get it because of my background and because of what I went through. Um, because sometimes it is life or death to get discovered in a timely fashion. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are people that we've seen come through the scene who like literally needed things to happen because they were on a visa. Right. 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 So I understand the immediacy. S- I get it. Yeah. I really get it. At the same time, there is a danger in people finding you before you're ready. And just be careful with that. Make sure that you really are exercising a lot of different areas of your practice. You need to you need to have a pilot ready to go. Mm-hmm. You need to be able to write monologue jokes at the drop of a hat. You need to be able to handle different crowds. And you also need to be able to handle the business side of things. You know, we set all of our shoot times at 11. Now, part of the reason for that is that that's work. what's works best with my schedule, but it's also what works best for dealing with New York City traffic. It's going to get you, you're coming to the studio not in rush hour. You're leaving the studio not in rush hour. That's why Greg and it's I do a, 11 too, actually. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> a great mind. It's a really, yeah. <laughs> but we have had some people who are like, that's too early. What? <laughs> oh, 11. <laughs> and so that's what I mean it's like, by. It's like, okay, don't drink after the show last night. You yeah. Know? Like, so that's yeah, what that's, I mean. <laughs> Just go home and go to bed. Yeah, after the show. Most people work nine to five. <laughs> so that's what I mean by the business side of it. You really should be, you know, figure out your sleep schedule, but you really should be up and, you know, you should have a website. Right. You should have a social media presence of some type. And so the degree to which you're engaging in late nights, that is part of your job. Right. But you also need to be holding a little bit in reserve in the tank for if you can't make it to someplace by 11, what are you going to do when somebody wants a general at like 10 a.m.? Right. Or God forbid, the dreaded. 9 a.m. Watch out. (laughs) (laughs) By the way, I should have uh, audibly agreed with you when you said the thing about getting discovered uh, too soon. Instead, I just like, I agreed so much that I silently just pointed (laughs) at you. It's like, no one can hear that. That's not helpful to anyone. Um, uh, One, uh, well, I got a few more, but uh, we're we're winded down here. But uh, phone cameras. I've noticed that my I have a DSLR camera too. I got a Canon 7D. Yeah, you, you do too. I, I right? do too. Yep. Yeah, I have the Greg same has one. one. Yep. Um, so Greg and I have messed around with nicer cameras, and for a while they were way better than even you know than iPhones. But like now I'm like, getting to where I'm like I can't you know tell the difference. Right. Yeah. I mean, like you obviously you have better lighting, better lenses than, yeah. than we do, but like. 
But you know, are they there? Are the phone cameras there? Or oh yeah, I absolutely think they're there. I mean, good. I'll sell you my camera then. <laughs> I mean, I'm so glad you said that. <laughs> I'll give I, you a deal. The camera. I just got a new camera, which is part of the reason why I just can't get COVID yet. You guys, I have to pay off a camera. Um, the camera that I had prior to the new one I just got, I think was worse than an iPhone 11. Yeah, the iPhone 11 is just, I think, it looks amazing. Yeah, and that the camera that I was working with, I would come home sometimes just crying because the focus area was really limited. It couldn't do anything in uh, dark spaces. I had an incredibly difficult time. Even at the Bell House, which is not an incredibly dark space, it would have trouble focusing. Um, and I just was brought, that camera slowed me down so much and I could not afford to upgrade and I couldn't afford to upgrade and I couldn't afford to upgrade. And it just, um, and then the pandemic, you know, we had to allocate our resources to hanging on to the studio. And so yet again, I couldn't upgrade. And when I finally was able to get the new one, I was literally running around by at South by Southwest going, look what I can do. Look what I can do. <laughs> like a child, like literally like a child and like, and it can do, and it can do video. And right. so like, I have this clip bless his heart I like ran up on Ricky and was like and was like look see and, <laughs> and he was just like walking by like out of the room and I was like look it can focus on you right now <laughs> and bless his heart he went with it I mean he's so sweet but yeah alright so I got two more things and uh, this has gone a little longer than we usually do but it's just been so great having you uh, so I got Pat and plugs here so we'll do uh, we'll do Pat first. How'd you guys meet? You and your husband. Oh gosh, because of Brett Davis. Oh okay, yeah, Brett's terrific. Because uh, of Brett. Yeah okay. How, and how so because Brett of... was Brett was involved in my engagement. Okay. Uh, oh, very yeah, nice. he tricked me to the engagement <laughs> location. Oh. Um, Where, yeah. Tell us about. I was going to ask about that too. Yeah, I I met Pat because he was he was on a Brett Davis show. Okay. Yeah. The uh, the public access show that he had the the Shea Stadium, okay. Uh, when he did uh, the Macaulay Culkin show. Oh, okay. Wow. Okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. So you met there, mm -hmm. and uh, and then how was the proposal? What what was that? <laughs> what was that story? So Brett, he's going to L.A. And he texts me and he's like, hey, I want one last photo in front of Shea Stadium. You uh, know? He got you. Now, here's the thing. This is something you guys need to know about me, okay? If I had all the money in the world, okay, and I didn't have to worry about anything, let me tell you what I would do. I would photograph birthdays, weddings, uh, important events. Mm -hmm. I would also just come to your house and photograph you and your family just making breakfast. Mm -hmm. Okay? I live for this stuff. I'm a, I'm a sentimental person. Mm -hmm. I thought I was a rebel. I'm not. I'm a preacher's daughter. The training took. I care about this stuff. <laughs> You're actually a good person. Yeah. <laughs> I just, like, I would. I would just... I would just come and make sure you had these pictures of these moments with your family. I care about these things. So I'm a sucker. That's how you get me there. Okay. <laughs> That's how you get me there. One more photo in front of Shea Stadium? Yes, I think we should have one more photo in front of Shea Stadium. It's an important venue. Who knows how long the building will be here? Right. They're making everything into condos. Of course, we should have we should have this for you, and we should have this for the comedy document, you know, for the archives. And so I go there. There. Pat drives me, of course. <laughs> and I take the freaking picture, and it's him and Sally who ran the show. And and after I do their photos, they're like, we should do one of you. And I'm like, yeah, sure, okay, fine. And then Sally gets done taking pictures of me, and I'm like, and I have to say, while we're here, thank you to you guys, because if you didn't have a show here, I wouldn't have met Pat. And then Sally's like, 
Mindy, you should probably turn around. Oh, my God. <laughs> you know? And he's on one knee. We've been doing this show a long time, Greg. Uh, yes. And uh, I haven't. I haven't teared up, uh, <laughs> but this is as close as I'm getting. Uh, Mindy, thank you so much for being uh, here and talking you. to us. Yeah, um, it was a lot of fun. Uh, where uh, you're with reservation on all the social media, right? Mm-hmm. Twitter, uh, uh, Instagram. Your website is withreservation.com. Um, uh, it does suck to leave a story that heartwarming and be like, hey, where can people find you? <laughs> Instagram, Twitter. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, we gotta I feed will, the beast. Uh. I will say, I will say, I'm, I, I still have a Twitter account, but I'm off it. Okay. For mental health. I, yeah. I left. That's why I deleted Facebook. Yeah. yeah. And um, it is me on Instagram. Okay. But if I can plug anything, yeah. it's, please, for the love of God, message us at booking at with reservation there is always someone on the email yeah i have an assistant can vouch her name is jen she's very nice and i am really trying to live a focused life and a present life and that means my phone is off while i'm in a shoot my phone is also off when i'm editing my phone is also off when my husband comes home for a couple of hours and so if you need something, the thing that is always on is that freaking email. Okay. And when Jen, um, like on the weekends, Jen's not on the email, I am. And like someone is always checking in on it. But like, and check your spam folder, folks. Oh my God, I yeah. don't know why. Yeah, it was so weird. We are. Having... I texted Mindy to be like, "Still good for tomorrow," and yeah. she was like, "I sent you an email." I'm like, "Oh, oh fuck!" And I went back; it was in the spam. I was like, yeah. "Oh god." Yeah, add it to your address books because yeah. we're at Gmail for some reason. I think because we send links a lot. Um, but we're trying to figure out who to write to fix that because it's such a big part of what we do. But I don't. We're eventually just going to have to hire somebody to be on Instagram um, because Instagram penalizes you in the algorithm if you're slow to get back to people. Really? Oh, yeah. yeah. I didn't know that. Crazy. Yeah. Fuckers. <laughs> Facebook strikes again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they really want you on there all the time. Oh, it's toxic. It's not yeah. good. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well. <laughs> Thanks again. Thank you, Mindy. <laughs> we ended on Instagram sucks. That's, I'm sorry to everyone. Uh, thank, thank you for being here, and thank you, folks, for listening. This has been Talking Schmidt with Eric Schmidt and Greg Burmeister. Please review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Also, if you absolutely love us, please subscribe to our Patreon, where... For just $5, you can have access to bonus episodes not available anywhere else. Thank you for listening.